This episode of this podcast is making me thirsty. Is brought to you by Mountain High, Susan Sarandon, and Kevin Bacon. There's no higher place than Mountain High. Rated R. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty. The number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This episode 79. Today's guest was the music director and composer on Seinfeld for the entire nine season run. He composed the world famous Seinfeld theme song, Jonathan Wolf. Thank you for listening. If you dig it, please pass it on. Follow us on Twitter at this thirsty Instagram at this thirsty subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. This podcast is making me thirsty. Episode 79, Jonathan Wolf. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty and the number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This episode 79. Today's guest is a concert lecturer on campuses all over the country. He was the music director for 75 primetime network shows, including Married with Children and King of Queens. He wrote 44 TV theme songs, including Will and Grace and Carolyn in the City. And of course, he was the music director and composer on Seinfeld for the entire nine season run and composed the world famous Seinfeld theme song. Please welcome Jonathan Wolf. Jonathan, thanks for joining. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for Chris. I, I agreed to this interview. I said I'll go if I don't have to talk. <laughs> Not a problem. You know, we, and we can always talk Seinfeld for an easy 40 minutes. But Jonathan, this is uh, this is a real treat. Thanks for joining us. So take us back. And not many people have been there for every episode and you were. So uh, truly, you know, you, you know, you know, Seinfeld. But take us back. So 1984, little Who's the Boss? Um, five years later, the Seinfeld Chronicles come about. Tell us a little bit like how you got introduced to Jerry and how the whole um, opportunity came about personally for you. In real life, Jerry Seinfeld has a best friend named George. It's George Wallace, who is my <laughs> yeah. buddy. Uh, okay. So uh, when Jerry was having trouble with music on the pilot on the Seinfeld Chronicles pilot, he complained to his buddy George, who said, oh, you got to call my friend Wolf. And that is how I met Jerry Seinfeld. And he called me on George Wallace's recommendation. And how do you know George? During my years before I had earned the title of full-time composer, I did a lot of musical chores, a lot of jobs around Hollywood and in Vegas. Uh, and two of my Vegas acts were Tom Jones and Diana Ross, and they shared the same opening act, George Wallace. Wow. So I wrote songs for George's act, and we made friends. And when he came to town, I would go to the comedy clubs with him, and he'd buy me dinner, and I'd accompany him singing the songs. And that's how we became buddies. And it turns out years later, long after I'd stopped doing that kind of work, uh, 
George and I remained friends, and he introduced me to Jerry. Very cool. Um, and, and so, you know, we have you here. We have, like you said, you can use the music. Uh, we want to maybe hear some of it. But I had a question off of, let's just, you know, start with, um, I wanted to start with um, the, uh, in the rye, the John Germain music. Um, you know, the jazz, uh, the jazz music, right? Because there's, uh, on the soundtrack, there's, I think, four? Is there four or three? There's at least two. Um, I believe there are three John Germain pieces yes. on the soundtrack album. And the funny thing about that, that's the, the one body of work that is on the album in its complete form. Entirety, right. Exactly. But in the episodes, we only heard a tiny little bit that's, of these right three pieces of music and that leads me to my question is is who you know who's deciding on that i mean you put together this this three minute long piece you know it's all you know it's great to hear on the album and then you hear 10 seconds of it in the show is that editor is that is that larry is that director is that you does it i mean is it something that you're cognizant of or you're just like i'm putting this piece together and let them pick what they like and you know i did my part and it sounds awesome no matter where you where you place it that makes sense. Uh, that yeah, it's actually a real good question. The answer is, uh, when Carol Leifer first wrote that script, it had more time in the jazz club. There were okay. more scenes, more dialogue, and more performance scenes from John Germain during the week of rehearsals and and rewrites. A lot of that went bye bye. But I had pre-recorded, of course, the John Germain jazz to make sure we had plenty of coverage for those scenes. So I think I recorded four or five pieces of music in their entirety for that purpose, including what on the album is called John Germain Jazz Number no. 2. Which we all know as hot and heavy. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Hot and heavy. Love it. Yeah. Did that answer your question about yes, why we no, hear did. so little of them in the episode? And yeah, yeah, I was interested in and that. Of course. Now, these recordings were all made before John Germain added to his repertoire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kind of a follow up there, O'Hara, if you don't mind. I just had another sure. question around that sort of is basically like, you know, when you're putting together something like the um, the the chase in the in the soul in the soulmate with Jerry and Newman, um, kind of chasing after each other, um, are you are you seeing the script and the scene, and then you're putting the music to it, or are they just saying, hey, we need something with a chase scene, and, and you're kind of on your own uh, as far as that goes? You mean that chase music? That's. Uh, for a scene like that, of course, I score it to picture, so I get the finished edit of that sequence to score the music to it. Kind of like the composers in, in movies when they're watching it on the screen. Yeah, and playing like God. of okay. course. And, and for most of the chase scenes, uh, like this one... I, you know, this is the chasing the cable guy and Kramer from the Cadillac part two. And 
I treated these chases as if they were real cinematic action movie chases, kind of, you know, with my tongue firmly in my cheek. I treated them seriously, and I kind of added to the comedy of the silliness of what was going on, my serious take on it. Um, did that answer your question? Yeah, and so while we're on it, since we're in this silliness stage of Steinfeld, I mean, it, it's interesting. I look at the album, and just as a fan of the show, you know there's kind of it's kind of two distinct shows within a show, right? Seasons one through five um, has a different feel than kind of six through nine. I think a lot of this music, um, from your perspective, happens in these later episodes, right? As the show as the show progressed, and as we gelled more as a production team, uh, the writers came to me more and more often to throw in with the comedy. So yes, you find a lot more special material and a lot more featured music in the episodes in four through nine. So you yeah you saw that more with the later writers versus the Larry Charles's and um, I don't know, I'd say the Peter Melvin's from the earlier years. Yeah. Although we've already heard a piece of music from a Peter Melman episode, uh, uh, the, the soulmate, which is the yes. Jerry and Newman chase yeah. was a, was one of Peter and Peter was a long haul Seinfeld guy. I know right, you yeah, had him on already. He, he yes. spent, he did real time on Seinfeld as did Wayne Kennan, who you also had on oh, yeah, this yeah, podcast. Yeah. Both of those guys did a lot of episodes. All right. Well, no one did more than you. So, John, Correct. let's go back. Let's Although go back to, to, to that to that point, uh, according to Jerry, uh, he made he gave a little speech at one of those final gatherings, and I think it was at the final rap party where he acknowledged four of us who had been on every episode. So it was not just wow. me. Uh, Mark Hirschfeld, our genius casting guy, Stan Askoff, our props master, and Susie Greenberg was on every episode. She started off as a production accountant and later earned a producer title. Wow. I mean, those are four great names. It's a, it's great company. Yeah, um, it was the whole team, the Seinfeld team. It was a Camelot era of TV production. It was a Delta Force SEAL Team 6 group of <laughs> highly trained, highly skilled professionals that put together these shows. And just as the writers and producers looked to music in the later seasons to throw in more and more and to do more challenging work as part of the episode, same was true of other department heads. I'm sure. But the head of the show, as we know, is Jerry and Larry. So back in 89, you, George Wallace, the phone calls int introduced, like, what was that first conversation? Um, like, what was, what guidance was given from Jerry and or Larry? I mean, we love the theme. It's classic. Whenever we hear it, you know, you get a good feeling. But what guidance did they give you um, on what he wanted? Jerry in that first phone call described to me the opening credits and closing credits of his show, the Seinfeld Chronicles. And it was Jerry doing stand up in front of 
a crowd of people. He tells jokes and they laugh. And he wanted music to go along with that. He wanted something signature and quirky and unique. And in that first conversation, I pitched to him that that sounds like a recipe for an audio conflict. Because remember, in the late 80s, theme music was melodic, a lot of sassy saxophones and silly lyrics. And guilty, by the way. I created (laughs) plenty of that kind of music in those days. But uh, as I told Jerry, it was not going to work in this application. So I pitched to Jerry on the phone. How about if we treat your human voice telling jokes as the melody of the Seinfeld theme? Whatever jokes you're telling will be the lyrics. Every Each time you do a different monologue will be a variation on the theme. And my job will be to accompany you in a musical way that presents thematic material that might act as a sonic brand for the show. Um, I pitched to him on the phone that the organic human nature of his voice telling jokes might blend well with the organic human nature of my human lips, tongue, finger snaps like this. And I had his attention. I said, come on over. I think it was a Saturday. I was at my office by myself. I said, come on over. I'll show you how it works. Bring me some video to work with, and I'll build up a monologue for you. So he came over, and I sampled these lips and tongues to build the little percolating groove. And I sampled some basses and came up with that simple, basic, sophomoric bass line for Seinfeld. And while he sat there at my office, I put together the very first recording of the Seinfeld theme. I think uh, his girlfriend brought us burritos. Pat Hazel stopped by to say hi while I was working on it. I know he's been a guest on this <laughs> yep. podcast too. Uh, and that's how the Seinfeld theme was born. Larry, to your question, was not in the room. Uh, When it was ready, Jerry called him on the phone, on my office phone. Remember, this was before internet and Zoom or cell phone. He just held the phone up to the speakers and played it for Larry. And Larry liked it. He, Larry, who's a really smart guy, obviously, he got it. He understood the concept of what I was going for there. And he approved it over the phone, too. So that was how that happened. And the rest that was a long history. answer to your short no, question. No, Sorry, that's, that's what we're here for. The rest is history. You know, it's funny because you mentioned what, what he didn't want, which was what most of 80s sitcoms and early 90s sitcoms had as their theme, right? Which then you used for the Jerry theme when they did the show. Yeah, that's the true. Show. I mean, that was exactly, that would put me into like my my childhood watching TV shows, theme songs. I mean, you hit the nail on the head with that. It was almost like the opposite of what, you know, Seinfeld's theme song was. So it was very <laughs> fitting. <laughs> I laugh just hearing the song because yeah. the whole scene, the song is so good. Yeah. Yeah. They, Your best. Uh, Larry, Larry Charles and I had a conversation when it was clear that we were going to actually see this show, this opening title. And I said, Larry, what do you got in mind? And uh, 
the Larry Charles told me, uh, you know, this is silly, happy, generic sitcom music, the opposite of what Seinfeld music is. I, I, Captain, I can do that. You got the right guy. So, if, although I did not create typical sitcom music for Seinfeld at first, you know, when that show came around season four, I think, I got a chance to do it. Yeah, season four. So, John, what's, I was going to ask about the approval process of the main theme song. I'm just curious, approval process, something like that quirky jerry the pilot music which was fantastic but is that you just kind of put that together you like share with larry and kind of and the editing team and it's a go or do you have to submit a bunch of different ones i'm just curious like what your day-to-day was on kind of submitting these things um i'll start with the, the embedded question something that straightforward did not require multiple takes on it that was pretty straightforward um anytime when there was time sometimes i didn't get the episode until the night before the mix so sometimes there was just not time for an approval process and they trusted me to do my best whenever music came up but if there was time and there were a couple different approaches i could take to a particular scene i liked giving Larry and Jerry options at the mix of different approaches to the same scene. I like giving myself options. Uh, My work week in general, first of all, as you mentioned, I was the composer for 75 series. You don't get that number by doing them one at a time. So Throughout the Seinfeld years, I was usually working on between 10 and 14 shows a week. Oh, wow. You know, so there were nine or more other shows. So I was always either in pre-production, production, production, or post-production on a whole bunch of shows at once. And when a script came in, usually, you know, the day before the table read... We'd read the script, we'd go through it, park it up for special material. I would instantly do anything, any music that could be done in pre-production. For example, any music that needs to be played while we shoot, that the audience should be able to see. That music I do in advance, of course. Uh, Any music that um, can be done in advance, like if they're going into a forbidden city and there's going to be club music going i can create that in advance and just set it to the side later and then i make marks for any music that needs to be done in front of the audience right for example in a script where mel torme is going to come and sing well i knew i was going to have to go down to the set and accompany mel on piano for that that was a good day at work by the way yeah i can imagine that's Jimmy. playing piano live Jimmy. with, yeah. with mel yeah. torme uh, but that's an example of on set music or you know, the john germain jazz of course i had to record in advance uh on set i did uh the pez dispenser concert piano music oh yeah and everything else was pretty much in post mm. So I would wait to get the 
episode or if it was a sequence, like one of the chase scenes, right. generally the editor, uh, Janet or Skip, would send me that sequence, even if in rough cut form, so I could go ahead and work on those sequences. Yeah, so so it sounds like the editor was one of the key people from the crew that you're working with. Uh, I was going to ask that sort of like... Of course, yeah, yeah the that, post-production, post-production team. Post-production team, yeah, in general. Yeah, worked, worked closely together. Right. The movies are, are a key part of, uh, of Seinfeld. Everyone loves the fake movies, Checkmate, Channel, Death Blow. Um, you know, I'm assuming you have a background in as well, and like you said, scoring and composing those. So that, that probably came pretty naturally, and they seem... They, you know, they could be real, they could be fake. It doesn't matter. They sound so good. So, um, just curious again, that's, that's, that's kind of you, you creating the joke there in a way, right? Cause on the script, all you know about is there's a, there's a fake movie called channel and you're coming up with what's kind of in the background to make, to make the audience laugh at that fake movie, you know, like that. Yeah, I, uh, all of those fake, fictitious productions we did that were heard but never seen, yeah, it was mostly all on me to create whatever was going on in the film um, with just the film score. And that was always a wonderful assignment. And it was a recurring comedy trope for our show. We were in a lot of movie theaters for, you know, we Blimp and uh, those other ones you mentioned. Uh, there were there. I, I got to write the music for a uh, fictitious Tony Award-winning musical too. Let's see if I can find that. Uh, here it is. The fake Tony Awards. Scarsdale surprise. Scarsdale surprise. So yeah, there there were oh and and of course the Jerry show itself was a fictitious production. So yeah, that was a recurring thing. I always liked doing that. Uh we had a number of recurring comedy tropes that involved music. For example, all of our pastiche scenes where we did homage or spoof of famous cinematic moments. Like uh, at the end of the Cadillac. Yeah, the Nixon. The Nixon CS when um, it's so silly what's going on on camera, but it was part of my job to help Morty Seinfeld leave with regal dignity from the disgraced <laughs> president's home. So I treated it seriously. I let it breathe and build for a long time as I would have if it was a real movie. I knew that this was gonna be a long walk. By the yeah, way, we're, was... I'm playing all of these tracks. They are, everything I'm playing is on the Seinfeld soundtrack album 
if anybody's interested, it's easy to find digitally. <laughs> yes, it's everywhere, guys. Check it out. And, you know, one of my favorite ones from that album, Jonathan, I, I have to imagine he was, and he was involved in many of these, is uh, Kramer. Uh, it's, I feel like you wrote, you composed a lot for him, but the the Bachelor auction was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was such, such a silly moment in The Barber. You know, that innocuous mindless beats music yeah for some reason it kind this reminded me it brought me back to uh when him and siobhan fallon were dancing in a land print as well my african love dance yes (laughs) yeah yeah. so i'm assuming you're you're behind that as well oh yeah yeah oh god God, come on michael one of the perks of my job was i got to create music that michael richards would move to you know that's always a treat to see his physical comedy to my music whether he's doing a butt wiggle dance to my fake entertainment tonight music before he spazzes out or something like the uh african love dance in a towel yeah, so that was that was really a perk, or in in uh, on the I couldn't put them all on. Right, I had right. to somehow narrow this album down, so I picked the scenes that seemed to be fan favorite scenes, and that certainly includes. All right here here's uh, here's a, a one where he's dancing to my music. In a bad wig. Yeah. For that sequence, I created that and the uh, exercise video aerobics music yeah, that, sure. again, Michael's moving to. Yeah, you're right. It turned out that a lot of these scenes that involved music were some of our broadest comedy and we had writers like spike who brilliantly would during the course of the episode push these characters further and further off center so by the end of the episode they're at the very edge of reasonable character uh, for example, uh, this scene. Let me see if I can find it here. Kramer's pimp walk. Kramer, yeah. Kramer's pimp walk. Now, remember that this outfit, this ridiculous outfit of his, came to be one piece at a time. He acquired a walking stick, and he acquired the coat, and he acquired the tops off with the hat. So I built this piece of music for his pimp walk, one musical element at a time. Um, But there's a reason why some of these Spike episodes also involved music. Oh, I think think, uh, this one... Uh, the uh, Peterman reality tour. 
banjo music, right? Yeah, Kramer's crappy banjo. <laughs> Which is really bad music, but it was part of what was bad about the Peterman the reality tour. Right. Uh, and again, this is one where Spike... Oh, here's another Spike. Then I'll stop talking about the guy. Um, <laughs> in... in uh, let's see. I think uh, it was in the Andrea Doria, which was one of Spike's. Jerry the mailman. Yeah, Jerry's delivering the mail, the whistle. It's very, very funny scene. This the music helped yeah. this one a lot. Yeah, with Jerry whistling down the street. Classic. Who's that whistling? You? It is. Um, and so I had to include it on the album. It's just a funny moment. And here's how that went down. Um, I sent it over to editing and got a call from spike and spike said yeah i like yeah that's that's good and i did a little demo of it just to show him what i had in mind uh you asked about the approval process and this was one where i had time because that exterior sequence of him delivering mail was all done in advance there's no audience when they're outside like that uh, so I sent it over to him, and he called and said, yeah, I like it. I like the whistling. I went, okay, great, Spike. Tell you what, uh, I'll record it for real. Later today, I'll bring in a, a a real whistler to record it. And Spike said, no, no, I like it as it is. And I said, Spike, I'm not a real good whistler. And Spike said, yeah, well, Jerry's not a real good mailman. <laughs> <laughs> That's so different. what you're hearing is my little demo of it. Uh, it was not supposed to be part of the show, but Spike liked it, so it stayed in the picture. That's perfect. Um, you know, Jonathan, we've gone through already, you know, this classical music in Seinfeld with, uh, you know, in the jacket, especially with Master of the House. There's the banjo music you just played. There's rock music you just played with Kramer. There's the John Germain jazz music. There's the big band stuff with Elaine. I mean, it's the gamut of basically every every type of of music there is, even to Kramer's boombox. There's a little 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 uh, you know bebop. Um, what is your like kind of background in, or what is your favorite sort of uh, musical genre? Or are you just a composer of everything and kind of just appreciate it all? It depends what I'm writing in that nanosecond. I, I wear a lot of hats. My training was eclectic. Is a is a child conservatory training. Mm -hmm. what a lot of people call classical music. So uh, I had real good fundamentals, and a lot of my adolescent and teen years were spent serious jazz training. Uh, but I played in rock bands. I, I, I got really good training before I moved to L.A. I was 17 when I moved to L.A., and I was pretty much ready to go. I was fully baked by that time. So a job like being the composer on Seinfeld was just a perfect gig for me you mentioned the kramer's boom box this one feel the beat you are a lover boy 
I think Jennifer Crittenden wrote that. Her instructions to me were, it's sexy, it's sensual, it throbs. <laughs> okay, I get it, I get it. Which, funny enough, I was doing a lot of that kind of music every week anyway, because one of my series was Married with Children, and one of our basic sets was The Jiggly Room, which was no. a, a nudie bar, and I created hot smoking sexy dance music for that so that was totally in my bag of tricks so you funny you met your married children and um a bunch of other comedies you did obviously who's the boss um will and grace i mean so you got to be a funny guy right i mean because you have to know what works comedically right i mean did being on the set you know 170 whatever plus episodes um help you a little bit like being around these guys like knowing what would work i mean i I don't know like it's just it's incredible like you the way you're just kind of riffing on some of these things and whistling like it's funny you know like yeah i'm a delicate genius you're a delicate genius yeah exactly (laughs) i have a sixth (laughs) sense cheapness is not a sense Right, yeah, it's, it's mostly about having a wide range of experience in music. I, you know, I as a youth, I was I did musical director jobs for pageants and opera companies and theater companies, and I, so I had a lot of experience. Um, I like funny. I like funny music. I like funny people, and I focused my business plan on doing half hour primetime major network series, which are all comedies. So yeah, I thought it was a good place for me to be. What, um, so just, yeah, take us back. So just on set, like, I know you mentioned, like you worked on multiple, um, sitcoms at that time, but the day to day on Seinfeld, you mentioned table reads, like, any fun, fun stories kind of behind the scenes? I know you worked with, you know, you're working with the actors. You're working with Spike and Larry and Jerry and uh, uh, Janet. You name it, right? There's so many people you work with. Like, any behind the scenes stuff that uh, that come to mind from from all those years on the on the set? There's a lot of stuff. Well, and you already had Stephanie Kennedy on. Yeah, she a lot of fun. You know, <laughs> was with these people naked. So. <laughs> Because she's the wardrobe person. Right, right, she's right. in the changing room with these clarify. people. She gets, she was really intimate with uh, these people, not for as many episodes as me, but she was more in the thick of things than I was. I was on the set when it was necessary, when there was actual music going on. Uh, I Like I said, you, you already had Wayne Kennan on this show. He was on the set all the time. He and I did a lot of series where we were both on the crew. Uh, I don't know. We both did Boston Common and The Naked Truth and Banner Times and Oh Grow Up, Work With Me, The Stones, What I Like About You. Uh, We both did Carol Leifer's series, All Right Already. Um, So, yeah, it was good to establish relationships with not just with the actors and the writers and producer types, but with the department heads, with whom I had real working relationships. It was it was it was a good time 
to be a TV department head. It was it was a fun job for me. What uh what are you most proud of from your Seinfeld years? It's neat that young people, people who weren't even born yet when we stopped making Seinfelds, love Seinfeld. I lecture at these colleges, universities, law schools, music conservatories, and young people come up to me and they know verse and chapter of these episodes. And that is really satisfying to me that it seems to be intergenerational. A lot of the shows I did, long, long forgotten shows. Uh, but Seinfeld appears to have legs. It's going to last a long time. So I'm proud of that. And well, you should be. Um, yeah, it's going. It's now with, with uh, Netflix coming on in October, you know, and with the, the release of this album, it's just going to pick up even more steam with a, another group of people listening and watching. Um, it's go time. <laughs> incredible. <laughs> You know, I'm curious because there's so many times when when I guess, quote unquote, real music is used, you know, witchy woman, witchy woman, um, you know, master of the house, um, you know, a couple of the opera episode, I'm uh, the power, you know, a couple of that stuff with the real opera people. Was there any, um, you know, was was your role in that ever like to have backup in case they couldn't get the real thing or were you ever sort of, um, I guess, you know, uh, consulted on what would work and what wouldn't as far as real music going or the that was really just already in the script i usually turned those discussions over to my longtime music editor jack diamond who is a musicologist he's a he has more music in his head than anyone i know so he was always the best person to participate in those conversations and he knew what years they were and how licensable they were so those kind of conversations that did not involve creating music i delegated to someone else in fact on the episode the barber i got a phone call from larry david he was just kind of opining he was saying you know this episode's kind of spiraling out of control it's turned into uh, melodrama like a you know it just turned into oh, a cartoon yeah i mean it kind so, of yeah yeah the barber you know, and he said should we do something with the music for this like that and jack would it was part of our protocol that jack would eavesdrop in on my phone calls whenever he wanted because he needed to know everything I was doing. Mm. And so he, he tapped on the glass and said, I got this. So I said, okay, Larry, I'm, I'm going to have Jack call you back on this. And Jack pitched the idea of using the Barber of Seville yes. music in the episode. So I just turned all of that stuff over to Jack. So yeah, Very our cool. office did take care of stuff like that. But if if I didn't write it, I didn't, you know, my time was best spent creating new music. Right. Not 
trying to figure out what existing music would go Works. into his show. There right. are other people that can certainly do that. And on the album, I created the playlist for the album based on the following criteria. Was it was the music an integral part of the comedy of the episode? Was it featured audio in the scene? And does it remind us of a favorite moment in Seinfeld? So I turned in the playlist, and it hadn't even gotten to the record company people yet. I was still dealing with the lawyers at Warner Brothers. And the lawyers said, what about George's answering machine? I said, I did not write that song. Right, It's the greatest right. American hero theme song. But I tell you what, I did create those music tracks, the instrumental tracks that Jason sang along with for his answering machine. I have those tracks. So if you make a deal with the lawyers over at the greatest American hero, we can include it instrumentally on the record. And then Seinfeld fans can use it to make their own voicemail message. Believe it or not, I did not write this song. <laughs> and so people send me those all the time that's to show me that they have done that. I think it's wonderful. And uh, by the way, I've noticed a few people have used Kramer's boombox music from the George underwear photo shoot to create their own underwear photo shoot videos and it's pretty funny <laughs> yeah Seinfeld I mean, the, fans uh, are awesome like you guys you all have kavorka the, <laughs> sister roberta we need her on next but uh yeah the album's great and i uh we'd love to get the whole everything you got i mean it's it, incredible work so you mentioned like you just loved writing like how many different versions of the actual theme song did you produce and air? I mean, I feel like there's so many variations of it, right? Yes, I, I have no idea. First of all, each monologue for each of Jerry's comedy routines, I recorded a freshly crafted version of the theme so that the timings of his jokes would be punctuated by the slap bass lines you know it was i use these elements in a modularly manipulatable way to build each piece of music to help complement and move along and sometimes give undercurrent to and sometimes punctuate jerry's monologues i That's knew yeah, when i created crazy. this theme like that that it was going to obligate me to do this for every monologue. <laughs> I don't know how many monologues there were on Seinfeld. I'm sure right, somebody but I mean, does. Right, but you're, you're, you were probably happy when they stopped doing those monologues in about the fourth season or fifth season. It, it took a, one of my chores off of my to-do list, but right. by that time I was really good at it. And by that time, I believe we had digital audio tools. Mm -hmm. So it didn't take, when I first started doing it, Remember, this is open real tape and no timing computers. I did this stuff painstakingly to get it right. So it could take me, you know, the, I think the first couple took me three or four hours to do a monologue. And then I got better at it. And by the time we stopped doing them, I could do a full monologue in about a half an hour. 
What was your, you know, you were there, like we said, the whole time. Um, and you're obviously a fan. You're dropping references left and right. So we know that. So what, but what is your, you know, maybe not your favorite episode, but, but, you know, from your standpoint, what was your most rewarding episode that you sort of worked on and you're kind of most proud of to Harris point earlier, just like, you know, of, of all of them. I mean, we all have our favorites for different reasons, but I'm sure yours is a little bit, uh, you know, more close to your heart. Well, Beefarino, uh, if it's on the album, then it was a good day at work for me. Yeah, I okay. only picked pieces of music that, for me, have warm fuzzies. So much time and distance has passed since those production years that I view each episode and the music differently. Now I'm just another fan uh, with, you know, a lot of inside baseball. Uh, so for me, it's hard to pick a favorite. I mean, a lot of, there are a handful of episodes that when you ask people what's your favorite, there are a handful of them that keep coming up as answers, and you know which ones those are. Um, for example, the, the, the contest. Everybody likes the contest. It's just, it was just so beautifully written and so funny. And I got to throw in, in one of those scenes, which this is an example of something I recorded in advance because Jerry sang along. With the cartoon music coming out of the TV. They go whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. One of the best Jerry's ever. It just, it puts all of everything that's great about Jerry into one, you know, 10 second, cloud like, you know, he's watching. The wheels on the bus go round and round. <laughs> so to... I was happy to be able to throw in with that brilliant bit of writing. And of course, Michael uh, Kramer is over by the window singing. The, the the woman across the street has nothing on. <laughs> Incredible! It was just such a wacky, funny moment that I was happy to be included in the funny. So yeah, that's one of my favorite memories of the show is working on that and being able to throw in for. So of course I included it on the record. Not that the music for Seinfeld was cartoon music, but this piece was and. Uh, here's a useless factoid. Early in my composing career, I was a staff composer for Hanna-Barbera. So this was totally within my bag of tricks. Incredible. Just an incredible run. And uh, Jonathan, we, we can't thank you enough. If you haven't got the album yet, please download it. You get it um, everywhere, folks. We can get it everywhere. I mean, listen, you were there for the whole run. Uh, thanks so much for the time today and all the stories. Uh, we're looking forward to what's next with you. What is next for you, Jonathan? Well, I, I'm trying to be a good team player for Water Tower <laughs> Music and promote the album. So there's right. that. And when the world is safer, uh, I plan to go back to touring and doing concerts. I do a lot of professional public speaking and corporate concerts. And of course, as you mentioned, a lot of law school and university lectures here's here's another useless factoid i have lectured at every ivy league school 
I saw that on your web. I was gonna, I you know, I noticed that. I noticed that when I looked at your website where you were lecturing. I was like, wow, I'm looking at like Yale, Harvard. I was... Isn't that weird? Yeah, <laughs> including law school, Harvard Law, Cornell yeah. Law, Columbia Law, UPenn Law. They keep calling me and saying, "Hey, you want to give a law lecture?" So I do. I go. I blather. I prattle. I make stuff up. You got to hit up. You got to hit a born entertainer. It, it's sure. it's. It's fine. You know, I always wanted to be an architect. <laughs> City planner. Thank you so much. Well, thank Jonathan. you guys for having it. It sounds like uh, um, this has been a super terrific happy hour. And it sounds like you're telling me you must go now. <laughs> <laughs> well, well played. Yeah. Jonathan, thanks so much. Just thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. That was awesome. Thank you.